Welcome, everybody, to our kind of podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Boyd. It's very good to be back. Joined here. I can see him in his blurry-ass living room or bedroom. Where, where are you? This is my bedroom and office and where I spent about 80% of my life for the last, I don't know, close to three years now. Amen, brother. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm in my new office, which is now a distinct room, which is um, my my level up in, in, in life here. Um, we're here. This is our kind of pod. It's a University of Washington football podcast. If uh, you are unaware or um, have found us uh, just, you know, wandering in the, the midst of Avalon, I have no idea what this is. We're here to talk Husky football um, and the upcoming season, the upcoming era of, of uh, the Kalen DeBoer regime. And uh, before we do that, we wanted to talk about um, the kind of tectonic shift that's happened in in the Pac-12 and college sports in the past. It's been 60 days. Do you know that it's been 60 days since the alignment news dropped? Uh, that feels a lot longer. Or <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know. Time is not even really a thing I can well, comprehend anymore, to what's, be honest. What's crazy to me about this is like when USC and UCLA dropped, like I, I was literally moving across from, from Boston to Philly. So I was driving in a U-Haul for a long period of time. I was listening to everything I possibly could and people talking about it. It's like, oh, what's next? Notre Dame. Washington, Oregon, is there going to be a new conference? What's going to happen? A, you know, uh, kind of an AFC, NFC. Nothing has happened. Not a damn yeah. thing has happened of substance in that time. And I think that that's uh, kind of weird and kind of good because I don't want anything more to happen. I, I like how your realignment aligned with college football's realignment. It's yes. like, I feel like that just speaks volumes to who you are as a person, which is just <laughs> a living, breathing college football freak. Yeah, had um, I stayed so I in Bo- had that. I stayed in Boston, who's to who's to say what would have happened? I yeah, who knows? I, did not I know mean, the, the butterfly effect was this powerful. Boston College could be in <laughs> at the SEC for all we know. You know, listen, man, I tried my hardest <laughs> to make Boston College a thing, and they can't get out of their own way. So, um, yeah. But speaking of Boston College, the the former athletic director there, Martin Jarmond, uh, is now the current athletic director at UCLA. He and US he and USC's new athletic director, Mike Bohm. Um, I think the craziest thing to me about what happened was that there was no leak. There was no, like, remember when Texas and Oklahoma almost moved to the Pac-12? That was, that was what we were like in high school. It was like 2010. And that's an era basically before Twitter and before, um, you know, Reddit and message boards, like proliferation and things like that. And we knew about that for weeks and then it didn't happen. Uh, This literally was under cover of darkness and we were just left to sit with the fact that this has happened and like, what the hell? Yeah. And, and everything nowadays, as we know, like, I feel like leaks, it's very rare yeah. that you'll hear of any big news that is actually news and hasn't been kind of stirred around on social media outlets for at least a day or two. So that was interesting um, and took me completely by surprise. And I've frankly tried to push it out of my um, thoughts since that has happened for a couple of reasons. I think the first reason, and you kind of mentioned it earlier, is that nothing's really happened since it since it came out. And that could be the case for three more days. That could be the case for two more years. Um, so frankly, I've decided that spending any time on yeah. reading about it is just a waste of my own time. And, and a lot of it's just going to be speculation, I think, for a long time anyways. Um, so that's, that's, one th- that's one kind of key thought I have about it. Um, coming on to just my general ideas about it, which I think is probably what you're going to ask me next. Um, I'm really disappointed, honestly, um, 
I think it's a shame that corporate money and these big mm-hmm. media conglomerates can ruin. And I, I don't want to say ruin, but it certainly feels like we're heading in a direction where college football is going to be vastly different than the college football we grew up with. Um, and certainly much different than the college football that our parents grew up with and people of that generation. And I think a lot of the great parts about college football are um, just kind of the, and I, I know I'm sounding cliche and probably, uh, probably a bit repetitive over the, over are our you year. About, are you say the, but, the, the word pageantry? Is, is that, that? No, okay. no, but that is, that is, pageant- this is a synonym. Okay, this as long as you don't say pageantry, because everyone uses that word without really yeah. knowing what but, it means. But yeah. But like the traditions of it and just like like for instance, no one's a Seahawks fan because they are really up for like the Arizona Cardinals Seahawks, like you know, series. That 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 rivalry, which isn't even a rivalry as far as I'm I'm concerned. But like, you know, there's the Apple Cup or there's um to I know we're not supposed to call it this anymore, but the civil war yeah. uh, between Oregon, Oregon State, and I understand those aren't necessarily broken at this point in time, but they very well could be as a result of these kind of shifts in the game. And I think that would, frankly, that would, that would start really taking away from the sport for me, at least um, because, you know, let's face it, we're not going to make a national title every year, you know, like w- we're playing for a Rose bowl and, and, <laughs> We're also playing to kind of, you know, within our, our geographic region. And when you start eliminating that type of thing because of money and TV uh, companies and all that BS, I think you really lose kind of what the core college football is all about. Um, and then secondly, like, just look at all the teams that have moved. What teams have actually benefited from a move like that? Like, I, I don't know. I, I don't think there has been many, <laughs> at least in recent time. Like, look uh, yeah. at Nebraska. Look at Nebraska. Yeah, Nebraska has has found themselves in a much worse position than they were um, when they first joined the Big Ten. And I think, you know, uh, who else do we have? Mer- Rutgers? No. And a- a- A&M. <laughs> I mean, like, A&M would have won multiple Big 12 titles, I think, at this point, or at least been in contention. And I don't think... I mean, I know that they seemingly are always like a top 10 team and then they completely sputter out. But um, I think you could argue that AM would have made a college football playoff potentially at this point if they had stayed in the Big 12 or they at least would have competed more so than they have in by being the SEC, I think. A&M is on the precipice right now in the SEC of, of kind of the fuck around and find out. Like they're in the find out stage. You know, they've done the recruiting part. They've done the paying a ton of money to go get Jimbo Fisher and now they get a chance to see where they stack up and that probably still isn't going to be good enough but that's kind of the point is like this is a pay-to-play system now like this this is just it is it is about your financial resources that's why usc and ucla are doing this because they get now as being part of the big 10 who just signed this media rights deal that is going to cut each member school in the big 10 a giant check that's going to help the athletic department so that they can survive and that that that's that's how it goes and i just feel like this sport you know, there's this kind of lexicon of things that you have to know to to follow the sport that have nothing to do with football. Grants of rights, TV contracts, um, you know, realignment. This this like nil, uh, nil. Yeah, it's just like which is a completely separate issue that we're not even talking about right now. <laughs> Transfer portal, right? Like, uh, yeah. you know, uh, Supreme Court decisions. Like, it's like what the hell are we doing? All of it feels like work, work, which I'll do because, as you said earlier uh correctly i'm a giant sick sick sicko and will you know <laughs> will will consume all of it just so i can you know follow the the tectonics here and we are lucky as washington fans to 
kind of be it, have a seat at the table here. But imagine if this was an I Oregon guess. State. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Our, our kind of seat here. Imagine if they, we were an Oregon <laughs> State podcast and we we're just like, yep, fuck us. Right. We, we are like basically our new hope is to win this new division two that seems to be forming and like, sure, you know, we'll, we'll get the runoff here. And as Husky fans, it's like maybe we'll get let in to the Big Ten so that maybe we can, you know, hang out with Nebraska and Illinois every year. It's like, I don't want to do that. I'm sorry. Yeah. I didn't sign up for that. That's not what I'm used to. And it's all about stupid amounts of money that I don't care about. And don't, I, I don't get that money. Like the, the, I don't get the, my life doesn't get any better because these athletic programs are, are more rich and coaches get paid more and players still don't get paid anything. Like it's just, it's, it's so, as you said, gross and corporate. And I, I, you know, you talk about college football and I joked about the pageantry thing. There's that version of college football of like, yeah, it's like a, you know, this kind of like civic and uh, regional pride that I think you get in a different yeah. way um, and school and, you know, certainly school pride that you get a different way than, than pro sports, but college football has a bunch of really fun, dumb shit that I feel like is the focus. I want turnover chains, flea flickers, weird offenses, options, drunk fans, you know, like just, bonkers stuff pack 12 after dark like i all of that is college football and it now feels like we are creating this more pure college football that's more about the the power of you know the the quality of the play and who can who can and it's like no i don't want i don't want that i want this like mess that we had before and nothing and yeah. everything was fine but then tv got involved and uh it's 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 hard because i i want all of the the that stuff that i just talked about but you can't ignore the big stuff now because it's now a part of the game and it and it's it's really annoying yeah it college football has only become this perfect dumb sport that we love because of the regionality of it yeah and you are you are basically taking that away by doing so and i think in a sense you know i don't think you can recover from that one thing i do think about and i know this is different because I'm in Seattle and you're not. So I apologize for this. But one thing that I personally take into account or think about that brings me comfort is at the end of the day, there's still nothing that's going to stop me from going and tailgating before a game with my family and friends and then going into a football game and a football game will be played. And ultimately the tailgate and spending time with family and friends is what's going to, as I become older, become much more important to me. And it's sad that I say that, but, um, you know, I think that's the direction of fortune that the game is going. It's going, there's going to be less and less um, of the things that really drew me to the game that will be occurring as a result of these type of things. But um, that is one thing, um, tailgating, being with friends and family, that will never change. So at least I can think about that and know that that will be something I can look forward to year in and year out. Yeah, well said. Um... I know that's kind of deep <laughs> and like in, in, in somber, but. Um, I think there's some validity to that. Yeah. And I'll do the same at Penn state and temple tailgates out here. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I think where we're going just as a note of that, like if you do care about what we think of, of kind of seeing the tea leaves here, reading the tea leaves, if you, if you follow my other podcasts, you heard me uh, struggle with that phrase the other week, but anyways, uh, I think, I think, you know, the most likely scenario, you know, matter of years, the Huskies end up in the big 10. I think that's probably the direction it goes. I think that, Notre Dame, Oregon, and Washington are too attractive of, of targets. And I struggle to see a scenario where the Pac-10 um, is a more attractive option for the University of Washington Athletic Department to hang out in, um, if for no other reason than just like loyalty. And like, sorry, that's kind of like <laughs> that that ship has left or that horse has left the barn at this point. So 
Um, I think they'll be in the Big Ten. But if that is the case, like, I I have nothing to say to an Iowa fan in in that sense. You know, yeah. I, I I don't know their problems. I don't know. I don't have the historical rivalry of like, oh man, like this this UCLA game reminds me of that one that we played in 2010 with Jake Locker's last last home game. Like, I've got none of that. Like, I don't want every yep. game to feel like it's you know been stripped of all of its context, um, like yeah. it would in that in that situation. Think about Colorado. Like, they yeah. used to have these massive tilts against Nebraska back in the day. Now they just are like. You know, their their fans are expected to get up for like a game at Cal or something. Mm-hmm. It just it, again, that regionality is a big factor. Uh, um, I think another example of that. Uh, well, we said Nebraska. I had an, another example and I'm completely uh, Miz- losing Mizzou. it. Oh, Missouri, Missouri. Yeah. yeah. And how and that. Thank you. That was exactly what I was thinking about. And how the SEC has tried to force like Mizzou and Arkansas to be a rivalry because there's all these like in the sec they schedule it to where they have like a specific team that they match up in duos like and those are their mm-hmm, rivals mm-hmm. and arkansas is like who the hell are these guys like we don't care about mizzou no. and, and mizzou says the same thing about arkansas but it's just you know trying to fit it in and it just doesn't work and nobody Ar- gets up for those games. and arkansas like true arkansas fans old arkansas fans would tell you you, you know who they miss playing texas because they're yeah. on the southwest yeah. conference together but that that was that was a, you know another casualty of realignment a, a very long time ago and yeah nebraska mm-hmm. i mean nebraska had a rivalry with mizzou uh that is now defunct they had a rivalry or, or yeah like you said with colorado mizzou had a rivalry with kansas like a very very bitter rivalry they call it the border war gone mm-hmm. right and like yeah you know that that those games like the apple cup means something and you know the and to to just ignore that and to say that that um you know there's there's you know yeah sorry like it's just it's just gone now and Pitt West Virginia are playing on Thursday that's awesome hasn't happened in yeah, years finally yeah, yeah thank god it's like it's like if we can figure out a way to to play in this new era and and get the money because that's obviously everything all that everyone cares about but also not you know shit on tradition yeah. let's do it but i i you know in, in a condensed college football schedule it's kind of hard to see see that happen especially when it's like you know these non-conference <laughs> games matter because if you lose one of them you can't make the playoff and that's all that matters so yeah it's it's a it's a death spiral and i want to stop talking about it so we will let's talk about <laughs> um the university of washington football team 2022 obviously a lot of changes have happened um from the last time the huskies played which was um a, a just an insult of, of an apple cup. I will say that. I think it was um, kind of a, an embarrassing moment of, of, uh, of Husky fandom to watch that from afar sucked. I'm sure it was terrible to be there in the stadium stadium as the Huskies basically had no plan on offense. And, you know, we saw Sam Heward and Dylan Morris in some combination just um, get destroyed and uh, you know, chuck the ball down the field as best they could as, as meanwhile, uh, Washington state just tore through us. Wazoo's quarterback in that game has now moved to Arizona in another what the hell is going on with college football moment. But there's a lot of new faces for the Huskies. And so this little game we're going to play here is a little true or false in where I am your host. I have the information. Stanton is has nothing. He has no, no clue what's going on right now. Uh, you can see by his face, he's just totally perplexed. I might I will... even know these players given how the portal is. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> yes, I will, I will let you know who they are. I'm going to say a name of, of a new person um, and I'm going to give you a fact, a new person okay. in the Husky landscape. I'm going to give you a fact about them. You're going to tell me if it's true or if it's false. And then uh, we'll launch into a discussion about that person there. Okay. And there's uh, no better place to start than new Husky head coach, 
Kalen DeBoer and the, the true or false here. Does Kalen DeBoer have a baseball reference page? Oh, wow. Um, I certainly am guessing in the dark here. I'm going to say yes, given that you're asking me this question, but I don't know. It'd be oddly specific if uh, if I had made that up. Yeah, uh, he was a, a great high school baseball player. He hit, uh, I believe, over 500 at some point in, or maybe in college actually, in five 500 in college, and then did play in the independent league in 1998 for the really? uh, Canton. What is it? Canton Crocodiles <laughs> uh, in Canton, <laughs> Ohio, um, who drew. 64,519 fans in a season. So Kalen DeBoer uh, was a multi-sport athlete growing up. Slash 754 or 754 <laughs> OPS over 24 games. I mean, that's that's decent, I guess. Yeah, I mean, take a guy could smack, but he, um, yeah. he you know, went the football route and, you know, a long circuitous route um, to uh, to become the University of Washington head football coach. What are your impressions so far of Kalen DeBoer um, as, as coach, as kind of, you know, voice in front of a microphone because we really haven't seen him coach. I mean, what 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 stands yeah. out to you about him so far? Um, everything he's just overall refreshing to listen to after the like kind of in your face, uh, rah rah yeah. BS that we got accustomed to with Jimmy Lake. Um, mm-hmm. and you know, again, you said we've never seen him coach the Huskies before, so maybe that that type of messaging could get old after a while, and I really hope it doesn't. But um, you know, who knows. But I, that's been refreshing, and um, it seems as as if he brings a staff that actually knows how to, you know, be a college football coach. And and I'm I'm just frankly excited that we might have a decent offense this year, and <laughs> um, just for something different. And he's obviously he brings that with with him being a new coach. And um, yeah, I'm just I'm just really excited to see what it that actually looks like on the field because everything I've heard up to this point is, you know, everything I would want to hear uh, for a yeah. new coach coming in. Yeah. I think he's winning the the PR. I think there's been good pieces written about him in both the Seattle times and the athletic and like nothing really to worry about, but at the same time, you know, uh, that that's only half, not even half the battle. It's a very small fraction of things. And it's all we have to go off of. Um, I too am very excited uh, to see the ball because the media stuff, I think he's been good, boring in that way. He doesn't say anything dumb. Yeah. He's very kind of down the middle, short answers, a uh, little bit of insight, but not like overshare type stuff. So, uh, yeah, no let's... run the damn ball hat. <laughs> no, not yet, at least. But if he yeah. wears if he wears one and it's like we won like 56 to 10 or something like that. And we actually did run the damn ball. I think that'd be the funniest shit ever. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but uh, he doesn't seem to be really uh, eager to play any of those type of games. Second yeah. new guy, Michael Penix Jr., um, who. Uh, is the new Husky starting quarterback was just named that that uh, distinction earlier this or actually earlier last week. Um, the true false here, he committed to in, so Penix uh, transferred from Indiana to come to Washington. He had previously um, played quarterback when Kalen DeBoer was the offensive coordinator at Indiana. Uh, but the true false here, Penix, who's originally from Tampa, committed to Indiana rich, uh, after initially committing to Willie Taggart in Florida State, but Taggart's wow. staff rescinded the offer well that makes sense i mean that's tagger was at oregon they offered everybody and they still do so rescinding (laughs) an offer is pretty on brand for taggart and as a former oregon head coach so you're gonna you're gonna go true sorry what what was oh you're at i didn't even get the question there i just (laughs) taken back by willie taggart (laughs) what was the question again that was not a question so that was that that was was, 
that was the true false statement. So it sounds like you accepted that? You accepted that uh, as a complete fact. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. He's a, a Florida guy. Yeah. Tampa's kind of near the Panhandle. Yeah, I'll take that. That's true. Fair, fair enough for you to uh, to assume that. I actually have forgotten the anecdote about Taggart offering so many players. That is actually false. Um, I don't know if Willie Taggart in Florida State offered Penix, but he originally had committed to Tennessee and Jeremy Pruitt uh-huh. uh, or, or, or to Butch Jones. And then Jeremy Pruitt um, rescinded the offer uh, once he got to Tennessee. So uh, that is his story. He went from Tennessee commit to Indiana commit um, and then to uh, to Washington transfer. So that's Penix. Um, him being named the starter, not a complete surprise, I think, to either of you, either of us. I think his track record um, is certainly much more than than anything Sam Heward had, had done in college football um, and much, much more than, than Dylan Morris had done. Um, but what are your reactions to uh, to him being named the starter? Uh, like you said, expected. You get a guy who has a lot of big game experience playing in the Big Ten. I know he's been hurt for... Um, a lot of the seasons he has been, he all, was at Indiana. Three of them, actually. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but he did, he did lead that one good Indiana team when mm-hmm. DeVore was the OC. I think that was in 2019. Yep. Uh, or maybe it was, yeah, 2019. 19. And then, um, so he, he's been around the block. I think he's, this is now his, is it his fifth year in college football? Um, yep. So four, I, fourth I, is like a full-time starter. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, he's just been named one of the cap team captains as well. Um, sounds like he carries himself with more kind of quiet confidence rather than um, what you would normally think of as a as a captain. Kind of, more, he's not as vocal, but I think um, there's a lot of good qualities about you know showing it on the field. Um, I I feel good about this kid just simply because he's the most healthy as he has he's ever been coming into a season other than maybe prior to the 2019 season yeah. before all those injuries. Um, so that's encouraging. Uh, there certainly is the durability question. Um, and right now Dylan Morris is the backup, which scares the hell out of me, but um, that is not a question or a conversation to d- discuss at this point in time. Uh, right now, <laughs> no. I think we're just, you got to be happy that Michael Penix, Penix is not only a starter, but he's, in a system that he already knows under offensive coordinator, Ryan Grubb and head coach, Kalen DeBoer. So I think that is very encouraging. Uh, and you know, he won't be, he shouldn't be, um, he shouldn't shy away from this opportunity because it should be very comfortable to him. I think given uh, at least relatively speaking the 2019 season. Um, so it would have been his sophomore season at Indiana. Um, DeBoer is the offensive coordinator Penix was fantastic. He completed 69% of his passes uh, yards per attempt of 8.7, which would have been exactly what Kenny Pickett had last year in college football. So like top 20 um, in college football. And like that is astronomically higher than what the Huskies have had in mo- more recent years. Um, he said really big games in 2020, the following season, he uh, against Indiana or uh, Ohio state in a game that Indiana furiously came back in and tried to win, but uh, couldn't pull it out in the last second. Um, he had 491 yards and five touchdowns. And now, if you remember the last time we saw Ohio State played, Utah was also torching them. So that's kind of been a, a recent problem of theirs. Uh, but P- P- Penix has done it. And I think it would be, would, would have been a disappointment if he hadn't won the job or, and it would have required a performance from Morris or Heward uh, that's unlike anything we saw of those guys so far. So uh, here's hoping for an injury-free season with Penix because I think it could be really fun. Uh, just the storyline of the the reuniting between him and him and DeBoer getting a full season together uh, would be really cool on this new stage. Yeah, I think his uh, if you look at his passer rating, 
um, if you extrapolate over that, I mean, if you, if he doesn't qualify because of his injury, but if you uh, compare that to the rest of the college football, he would rank in the top 13 or 14 in quarterbacks yeah. that season. So that's pretty solid. Um, one thing I do, do want to add, I think, I think it's worthy of adding as it sounds, and maybe this is just coach speak, but it sounds as if uh, both Dylan Morris and Sam Heard have made pretty good strides over both spring ball and fall camp. So um, I'm not, I, I think some people are completely done with Dylan Morris. I am, I am, I don't want to say I am because I, I think there are some qualities to his, his game that could actually end up being, you know, uh, effective at this level. But uh, I just really don't hope, I really hope we don't have to get to that point. And, yeah, and, and that just means Penix is playing well and he's not hurt. And it's, it's hard to uh, separate uh, Dylan Morris from his offensive coordinator, the two seasons that we saw, and who was true. Ob- objectively, yeah, that's a little unfair to him. Objectively, one of the worst um, that we've ever seen, and in, in, in uh, maybe college football has ever seen. So, can yeah. can we talk about really this very quickly? Do you know what John Donovan is doing with his life <laughs> I, right now? I do because I looked it up. Um, yeah, I, I did too I, today. You cannot, you cannot, con- you can't continue failing in, call, in in football if if you if you have become a football coach you will find a home. Can you let yes. the people know where, where John Donovan is right He's now? He's a senior analyst for the Green Bay Packers, but there's a couple interesting points I want to make that are listed on the Green Bay website. I don't know if you picked up on this. One, he is a senior analyst listed under the defensive side mm-hmm. of the ball, which does not make sense to me. Number two, in his bio, they list that he was the offensive coordinator for the last two seasons at Washington, but they don't mention a single detail about last season they only talk about the three and one season in 2020 and how he like did well 2021 other than saying he was just employed here is just not a thing on his bio so i think that go that says a lot about how bad it was last season he'll he'll be the head coach at like montana state in three years it's yeah it's, it's just how this thing goes uh yeah Oh, I don't miss you very much, John Don, um, or at all. I, I actually kind of can't stand you. So let's talk about Cam Bright, who uh, yeah. is a new, also a transfer, transferred from Pitt. Um, and a captain. And a captain, yeah. He's uh, going to be our starting linebacker, one of the two inside linebackers that the Huskies will be playing. The true false with Cam Bright. So you're ready for this one. To, to yes, catch you I'm listening for it. Yeah. The, the statement, Cam Bright has been involved in two fights in bowl games in his career. Where is he from originally? He is. Uh, I don't. I don't think that matters actually. If he, if you're from, if you've been in Pitt for like <laughs> over four years, I feel like there's that grit and just like that he's got that dog in him, as as uh, as people say nowadays. So mm-hmm. yeah, I'm gonna go with that. Yes, true. True. Okay, you are correct. Uh, Cam Bright has been in two separate fights um, in two separate bowl games. In uh, the last year's Peach Bowl loss uh, to Michigan State, he was videoed fighting teammate Rashawn Battle at the end of last oh. year's teammate Game. yes that's <laughs> and, not good and in the pro- or in 2019 um at the end of the quick lane bowl in detroit he was slapped in the head by eastern michigan quarterback mike glass the third so uh not quite as much of a skirmish as more of, a, of an attack there but cam bright um has 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 scrapped a couple times in bowl games nice. so let's let's hope we get to a bowl game to make it three for three yeah for cam, for cam exactly bright. i'll i'll take a i'll take a fight with cam bright for a bowl game appearance i mean <laughs> you'll, sure. you'll do it <laughs> I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, yeah, maybe I'll take a Cambrite ejection in a bowl game to just mean that we're in a bowl game. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 
so yeah, bright. He's a fifth year linebacker. He's like, he said, a captain of the defense already. Um, he was like kind of productive at Pitt, kind of a, a flash player. Um, and, uh, it seems to have just fully assumed the job. Um, it's the, the funny question to me is like, how the hell did we get this guy? Because he, there's no like connection from an old coach or anything like that, that I can really tell he was yeah, born, he's, he's born from in Alabama. Alabama. Uh, when he was in high school, I think he moved, his family moved to Ohio and then that's how Pitt found him, went to Pitt and then UW. There is no overlap in coaching or anything. Um, he probably just, I, I think, I think truly think that the, that fight at the end of last year's game uh, was not a great end note. And they might've, you know, been like, yeah, it's time for you to go. And uh, he was like, I need a place where I'm going to play. And if you have listened to this podcast for very long, you know that our linebackers have been <laughs> trash for the last few years. And yes. so he he found the right place because uh, Cam Bright, you're going to play and you're going to play a lot. Yeah, uh, I I think our <laughs> speaking of linebacker depth, I think our linebacker depth is actually pretty awesome right now. Yeah. Um, it's one of the more exciting things that I'm excited about uh, this season. Um so I'm, we may talk about that later on, but uh, just as an aside related to, to Cam Bright, I mean, he is certainly one of those reasons why I feel good about that. Um, and you're not, we don't even have a guy like Eddie Ulofosio even in the, in the fold yet. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, that's, a, that's an exciting group to keep an eye on. Another new name that has been mentioned already, offense coordinator Ryan Grubb, the statement about him, um, his uh, yards per play ranks as offensive coordinator at Fresno State. So 2019-20, in 2021 his yards per play ranks were the exact same every single year so ranking in terms of fresno state yards per play every single year he was there i mean the odds of that are very low so i'm just gonna say no but again like the fact that you're asking me this makes me want to say yes but i'm gonna say false kind of feels like it was only two of the three, right? Like that's, that's what, yeah. I'm, that's what or I'm like one here. was like 0.1 off or something like that. Mm-hmm. No, yeah. uh, it is true. <laughs> Every <Okay. laughs> single year, the Fresno state <laughs> offense finished 39th in yards per play. Not only that, they had every single year, 5.9 yards per play every single year. So, his- Oh, I was only thinking about it from the yardage standpoint. You, you're just telling me it was both yardage and national ranking. Correct. For three consecutive that's years. Absurd. So uh, consistent, I think, is the word. And I think that the key thing there um, with with Grubb is that one of those years was a Jay Kaner year. Um, and Jay Kaner, yeah. you know, was fantastic last year. But the other two was, were not Jay Kaner years. And they were still basically just as consistent um, and personnel-wise, you know, with or without Kalen DeBoer there. Um, you know, he, he's, he's done it. He's had good offenses at Fresno State for three straight years. And I think that's... that's um, that's awesome. A good offense is, is something we we desperately lacked in our lives for actually a very long time, basically since like 2016. I'm trying to find the UW yards per, oh yeah, 90, 98 is what we ranked last year. Uh, five yards, it looks like. So uh, yeah, yeah, that's the, so 30, you know, 5.9 and 39th versus, versus uh, what did I just say? 98th. Yeah, I'll take that. Correct. Lock me in for that. His uh, the S&P pluses for those three teams too, 47th, 52nd, and 27th last year with uh, with uh, <clears throat> with Jake Kaner. So yeah, good offense with Ryan Grubb. He's been described as a genius. That's definitely a new one for anyone describing yeah. offensive coordinators as, yeah. uh, as a genius. <laughs> it's been a while since that. Um, and I kind of feel like you watch Ted Lasso, right? Yeah. Doesn't it kind of remind you of the the coach beard to Kalen DeBoer's yeah. Ted Lasso? 
Yeah, yeah, just like they followed each other everywhere. It's the same demeanor, kind of too, and he looks similar. Yeah. yeah, maybe not the same demeanor because the Ted Lasso dude's like very odd. Like, <laughs> yes, but like more reserved and just like kind of straightforward. It seems like I don't see Ryan Grubb taking mushrooms in London or anything like that. But true, <laughs> I don't know. I really having know. a wild uh, marital relationship as well. Yeah, uh, hopefully he's doing a little bit better on that front. Yeah. Uh, well, we're going to skip the last one because um, that we're already quite over budget on time. Okay. Here, but um, we're going two hours, right? That's what yeah. we're doing. Uh, for, part, for part one. Yeah, we are. Um, so we're going to move into phase two here. Thank you for playing uh, the, the true or false. I don't know. Yeah. How did you do I, I, you? I think I, I pass fail, like true, false, pass, fail. I think I passed. I, you I like were correct on DeBoer. You were incorrect on Penix. You were correct on Cam Wright. In- and you were yeah. in, incorrect on Ryan Grubb. So two, so two and two. That's, in, in baseball, that's pretty successful. Yeah, uh, that would uh, have you do it. I mean, and call it in as a view to football. I mean, that would be better than last season. So the Cannon Crocodiles are, are calling you up shortly. Here, yeah. So <laughs> check your email. Um, we're going to move into a little bit of a discussion here. We've got 10 kind of talking points. We might not get through all of them because I think there might be some overlap, but just curiosities and, and things to talk about um, heading into this season. I think a great place to start is contextualizing how bad the Huskies were last season, because there's, there's kind of this in, internal, at least in like how my brain works of like, God was last, like, I really don't even want to look at the, at the shit that last year's team was Were were we just like such a dysfunctional mess, like kind of like a, you know, we were in it, but we, you know, we had this kind of funk about us that caused us to lose games and then everything kind of went to a head or were we just a really bad team? And uh, I think that's, that's a good place to start with this. So how bad were we last year? Offensively, at least like help us out where <laughs> I think offense, we were, it's pretty, this is the easy one. Offensively, we were objectively terrible last year, but uh, do you have numbers or facts for us that, that uh, back that up? I don't have any numbers just because I want, <laughs> I value my sanity, um, but you know, you're still, you're still only a few years removed from, some really solid teams. Uh, obviously, yeah. there was some there were some cracks in in the foundation, even in Peterson's final year. But um, yeah, it's it's hard. It's a hard question because you you got to look at it in two ways. One, like you have players, and you know, there's a talent level. We don't. Who knows what that talent level is? But you think it's decently high based on what people are are ranked coming out of college. And I know rankings can you know whatever about rankings, but. Um, there's a there's seemingly I think a lot of talent on this team they should have been a lot better than last year and then you have uh, the scheme and the scheme was atrocious as we talked about at length every week last season (laughs) so I I don't want to say we were four and eight bad but we weren't good Mm -hmm. Uh, we didn't deserve to go to a bowl game and I think I think most of that is on the coaching staff for at least a a majority Um, but I, th- I think there's a lot of good players on that team mm-hmm. last year that are back this year. Um, and, and obviously the portal kind of changes how this thing works because we have, you know, nine new players or whatever it is that are going to most, almost all of them are going to be major contributors. Um, granted, we also lost some major contributors. Terrell Bynum is one of them that comes to mind, but um, yeah, we, we were, we were a bad team, but I don't think we were as bad as our record indicated. And it was also mostly due to just a complete incompetence on the coaching staff side of the. Yeah. 
I think that that's that's very very fair. Um, that it, the the kind of things that they were doing on offense and defense um, to set themselves up for failure week after week, play after play, were were maddening and just shouldn't shouldn't happen. I mean, offensively they were uh, dysfunctional, lots of turnovers. That I think that the coaches had no idea who the best players were, um, and that's that's kind of a, a fundamental part of of huh. i think of, of football is like get it to your best players and and yeah. if they did they had no idea how to get them the ball and i think that that's yeah. something that this new coaching staff is not going to struggle with um and then defensively i think you know that, that they're probably fine statistically but it was just the same conversation every single week between you and i of like they have no interest in stopping the run and yep. they're not going to move their safeties from being literally out of the screen as, as you start, start watching a play. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's begging for what offenses did to them last year, which is just bludgeoning them to death. Um, despite having Kyler Gordon and Trent McDuffie, two of UW's best defensive backs that they've ever had um, and saying, now nah, we're basically going to remove you from the play and not have you be factors here. And that, that's just, that's just, that's just so dumb. Like yeah. it, that, that's, that, that's, that's criminal. Yeah. I mean, like, like you said, the, the defense stats probably are a little skewed. Um, like we ranked 22nd in total defense, which if just on the surface, like, wow, that's actually a pretty good season, but there are a lot of flaws with, with that, yeah. with that team, especially like the run, as you said. Um, and lo and behold, Kent state is a very heavy running team. So that mm -hmm. should be interesting. They run fast and run off and we'll talk about Kent state here in a little bit, but uh, move on to our second point. What is your favorite storyline Heading into the season, I think we talked about the the Penix DeBoer reunion. That might be my favorite one, um, but uh, are there others that come to mind? Uh, yeah, I, I kind of alluded to the linebacker situation, which is exciting to me. Um, but I, I'm really excited to see how this wide receiver group operates in the offense that, in theory, is actually you know, kind of, it actually might do something compared mm -hmm. to last season. Um, I think there's again a common theme here there's a lot of talent in this group uh you have the likes of Jalen McMillan Roma Dunze Jalen Polk Giles Jackson Todd Davis uh Junior Alexander who just transferred over from ASU uh previously at Kennedy Catholic here in Seattle um you know who, that's what six people six six guys that all could start and I don't think I would be surprised if any of them were on the starting line um, for any game um, mm -hmm. and then you have a few others that are that are still developing like Jabez Tini or Denzel Boston but I think overall there's a lot of interesting skill sets within that room um, you know look no further than Giles Jackson who can kind of do it all and and uh, he can you can put him in different spots around the field and and uh, use him in motion and uh, I, th I think that's interesting. Also, like the fact uh, today in 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 uh, Ryan Grubb's press conference, he mentioned how Roma Dunze is is probably is is the guy who can take the top off a of defense. And it's just like, wait a sorry, second. Sorry, he had. Can you can you explain what is what does that mean? Take the top off. Like of like he can just run past no. a. a I know what it means. I haven't just, yes. I haven't seen it yeah. happen in so long. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but. Uh, but yeah, he like which doesn't make sense because he out of all of our wide receivers last year, yeah, he had like the lowest guy. average. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he was a possession wide receiver. So it's just like, wait a second, we weren't using this uber talented wide receiver that we've had in the way that he probably should be used. Mm -hmm. So um, that's that was strange, and it just goes to show you that last year was crazy. But um, I think there's a lot of interesting things that could be done in that room, and you have um, a new. Uh, uh, wide receiver uh, coach with a lot of energy, and I'm completely forgetting from Purdue. Jamal um, Shepard. 
Jamal Shepard. Thank you. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I think there's, I think you could see some, a oh. lot of fun things coming out of that group. Jamarcus Shepard. I'm sorry. Jamarcus Shepard. Yeah, there that, we go. That, that's his name. Uh, it's early. It's early. It's preseason for us still. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're, we're sharpening our pronunciations and things as, as you'll hear very yep. soon. Um, yeah. I think I'm right there with you, the offense and the receivers, especially um, just, you know, I think, I don't think we have a bunch of Ferraris necessarily, but I think we had some Dodge challengers that like, you know, they can sure. go, they can go if you, yeah. if, you, if you give them the, the, you know, the, but they're basically being driven in school zones all of last year. And I think that that's, <laughs> that's, um, that's kind of the, the, the point here is that like, we don't know what we have because we, we don't, we don't have coaches who have been, um, you know, willing to, to put players in positions to succeed. And Adunze and McMillan are, uh, are two great examples of that. I think Devin Culp is another one, um, just kind of a guy who's been a little tantalizing for a long time, but you know, what does this offense have in store for him? Um, and, and how do they use tight ends? That's kind of a, a little bit of a mystery because the uh, Kalen DeBoer offense has used tight ends in different ways um, over, over time. And, and so I think that's interesting. Um, this is more of like a, a just Husky honk question or, or, or topic or, you know, storyline. But I think that I think the Sam Hewardness of everything is interesting of like you have this anointed son, you know, legacy quarterback here, you know, extremely talented prospect, um, extremely decorated high school career. And he might be third on the depth chart right now. And like, what what is is that poisonous? How does this how does this team manage that? Um, you know, will his time come? How do they develop him? Can he stick around well, long enough for that to happen? Um, I think, I think he's interesting. I, I you know, I, we talked about Michael Penix. We're very excited about Michael Penix, but you know, Sam Heward is there and that's, that's um, you know, I think that's another thing. And it's like, is he a Ferrari that, that has not been unlocked yet? And uh, time, only time will tell. So yeah. Think- and, and speaking of that Penix, the familiarity with the offense then feeds into the, the, my peak Correct. interest with yep. the wide receiver group. Um, one note on Heward. I mean, there's a decent chance that Penix could be gone after, this season i don't mm-hmm. know if he'll stay he does technically have another year of eligibility i believe he's, a ju- he's listed as a junior right now yeah so he could he could stay although i don't think that's probably the, his intention um just kind of the writing on the wall so then you're back to a situation where it's like dylan morris and sam here all over again unless there's another transfer that they bring in that we are unaware of so i i, I hope that sam here sticks around just i mean simply the story behind it is something that longtime husky fans will love but um, I got to think there's some potential in there that is worthy of playing at this level. I mean, he wouldn't have gotten all the accolades in high school if it if there wasn't, I would think. So um, I don't know. It'll be, I, I hope that, I think the transfer portal has brought out, some, there's been some good that's come from it, but there's also some negative aspects that, you know, I think some kids need to stick around and really fight it out. And, and I think there's a lot of stories of, you know, sticking around actually would have benefited them in the long run. So I hope that's the case with Sam Heard and he can stay with us and hopefully benefit from, from doing so. Yeah. The transfer portal just kind of feels like an, uh, like an Indiana Jones booby trap or like the spiked wall is like coming in as time goes on of like, you know, we got, got to, yeah. got to get him involved and stuff like that. So uh, yeah. yeah, it's, it's, it's spicy for sure. And, and, you know, uh, at the end of the day, Sam Heard might not be the guy for the job. Like he just might not be that good, but we don't know. And if everything breaks right for the Huskies this year, we might never find out. Like we, we just won't know because that's, that's Penix's job. But if you do see Sam Heward, he's handing it off to Cam Davis in fourth quarter. So um, we'll, we'll, yep. we'll see there. What game are you most looking forward to? I think there's, there's a few kind of, uh, you know, 
gems on the schedule. I think one coming up very soon here in week three, but what is the game that you're, you've got circled? Yeah. Yeah. Like you said, Michigan state is probably the obvious one. And in, in week three, just because it's, you know, uh, ABC prime time and we're not talking like West coast prime time. We're talking you know, the entire country prime, prime time at fourth, fourth, oh, four thirty, or sure. yeah. 430 yeah, Pacific 430 your time. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's so 730, 730. <laughs> I will be ready at uh, four at 1230. I'll be just sitting. Yeah. There. <laughs> <laughs> just twiddling your thumbs, yeah. just staring at a wall. Um, but the, the, the game that intrigues me, the, um, other than Michigan state that intrigues me probably the most is the fifth game of the season at UCLA again yeah. on a big stage, um, on ESPN. Uh, that's a Friday night game. So it's going unopposed most likely. Can we talk uh, about that, that Friday night? Just you've, you've been there. I've been there. Um, Friday, yeah, I've been fr- to a UCLA Friday night game. In fact, the UCLA, you Friday nights in Pasadena. This this yeah. is this is about as dumb as it possibly gets. This is a seven thirty kickoff. Um, no one is going to get to this game by the time it starts. No, not no. a single person, unless you took Friday off. Although, if you are in Pasadena, use the shuttle system. It's the <laughs> way to get to and from the Rose Bowl. I swear by it. I've used okay. it three times now. <laughs> yeah, uh, but beside that, yes, I think UCLA yes. <laughs> UCLA is a funky team. Um, it, you know, they've they've got a lot of pieces back. It's kind of a make or break year for Chip yeah. Kelly and. Um, you know, that, that seems like a team the Huskies should be able to beat, but it, it, you know, we're going to find out a lot there. Yeah. My, I, I, I failed to mention my actual reasons for why I said that's, that. That's my, time. that's my fault. <laughs> but, uh, but it's the first true road game. Yep. Uh, and, and you could argue that UCLA is probably the, I think there's a, I hate to say it, but I think there's a clear kind of top three in the PAC 12 and includes Oregon, but I think Utah, USC and Oregon, or mm-hmm. the potential of USC, at least who knows, um, and, and then I, then I think it, there's a bit of a, like tier two would be UCLA. And, um, I think we are maybe at the bottom end of tier two there, um, in, in a perfect world and a really great, you know, and the best case scenario. So that's why that's also a game that's interesting to me because it's like, this is where we need probably are shooting to be this season. If we're being realistic is kind of in that area, like the, you know, four to six area. And I would, I would put before the season UCLA at four. So that's why I, I bring up that game specifically. Yeah. Looking at uh, the S and P plus rankings from our, our friend, Bill Con- Connolly at ESPN of teams that the Huskies play this year uh, for preseason, at least obviously lots can change. It goes in this order, Michigan state at 15th, um, Oregon at 24th, UCLA at 36th, ASU at 51st, ASU and Oregon are also road games. Um, and then Oregon yep. state um, at home, that's 56th. And then the Huskies are preseason. 57th rated team, but I, th- I would imagine that the Huskies are a very, very hard team to rate <laughs> statistically based off of yeah. everything we've talked about so far. Uh, Kent States, I think is the only other game to really add to this. Obviously the Apple cup will be interesting too. Um, really kind of curious about the, uh, the, the, the new quarterback at Wazoo Cam Ward and yeah. what he can do com- coming from the school that he came from incarnate word, which is like a crazy leap, but people are extremely high on him. And obviously Wazoo dumped Jaden Delora to, to get this guy. So that's pretty interesting. Uh, but Kent state, I have circled there. Cause I'm just like, I'm extremely excited for Saturday. And I just want to see all the things we've talked about so far. The Huskies are 21.5 point favorites. Um, home openers are a little, a little scarred from last year. So like, can't take anything for granted. Um, and you know, I'm just, I'm excited to see something on Saturday, whatever it is. Yeah. What, who knows? Yeah. We'll see. And Kent state uh, 60- but right now, 
65th on, in offensive SMP, SMP plus. So like, you know, this, this is a team that can move the football. And so, yeah, no, you know, it's a might... good test. I mean, they're, they've been chosen, I believe to win the Mac or, or finish second. They were chosen in the preseason poll to be first in their division at the very least. Um, and this is a team that is going, I mean, today, Kalen DeBoer in his press conference said it's a, it's the fastest team I've ever seen in my career coaching fast mm-hmm. being like their tempo that they play at. So that'll be an interesting, uh, perspective to this game or a part of this game. And, um, yeah, it, it's a good test. It's, it's, you know, Mac teams aren't bad. Uh, we, you know, Maction is a thing for a reason. Okay. We're going to, we're going to play another quick game here. So Kent state was, was, uh, picked to finish second in the Mac East division behind Miami of Ohio. Okay. So I've given you two okay. teams. First of all, in case you didn't know, there are, there are 12 Mac teams. Can you name the remaining 10 after Miami and Kent state? Oh man. <laughs> is, is Buff Buffalo's one of them. Buffalo right? is, is the pick to finish third in the Mac East. Okay. So Central got, Michigan. Uh, that's yep. They're third in the East, Mac West. So Eastern uh, Michigan. That's keep going on the Michigans. That's five. There's one okay. more. Uh, like I said, Central, Eastern, Western Michigan. Go that's, Broncos. That's six, the boat. Halfway down. Um, is Akron in there? Akron, yes. Picked to finish last in the East, so that you're up to seven teams. Okay, and you already we already said Miami, Ohio, correct? Yep. Okay, the Ohio Bobcats. Yep, that's eight. Tony Cash. Ball State. Uh, yes, that's number nine. Oh man, three more. Uh, Toledo. That's yep. Second in the West, up to ten. Um, I'm gonna uh, give you. I'm gonna give you two ancient college football names. Okay, that might. Okay. Help. Garrett Wolf. Oh, oh, Marshall. Not in there. Ah, oh, damn. Okay, Gary Wolf. Garrett, uh, Garrett North, Wolf. North Garrett Wolf, Northern Illinois. There we go. Okay, eleven. Okay, and another one, uh, Jacory Harris. I think is that is that his name. Um, yeah, I'm, I don't, I'm drawing a blank there. Uh, Jacory. No, that, that, I, I, that reminds me of some old Miami. Yeah. That that's who I was thinking of. The name is very similar though. Uh, <laughs> Hey, Miami of Ohio, you know, that's kind of close. Uh, sh- 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 nope. Who is this? This is exactly what we all wanted here. Building oh, the suspense for Omar, Omar Jacobs is the name I was thinking of. Ah, I, I have no recollection of that. He was the quarterback <laughs> for Urban Myers Bowling Green Falcons. That oh, how was the yeah? Team. Who are just awful, right? Ter- terrible, Bowling Green absolutely Green. terrible. Yeah, they have yeah. not been good since since Urban Perfect. left. Um, okay, so that that nice. was our little Mac reprieve there. Uh, who? No <laughs> one can say we didn't preview this this game if if uh, people have yeah. Let's skip the what game are we absolutely going to lose, even though we shouldn't, because <laughs> that's just I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm vibing right that's now. Just negative. Yeah. yeah. What husky pronunciation are we going to be fighting all year? And by we, I mean me, because you're much better at this than I am. I so I don't know if there's a lot of there's some tough names, but it's like guys that have been around for a yeah. bit mostly. So I didn't I, I actually found it not as many when I was looking over the roster, like. I don't think there's any that are clear cut here. Yeah. But I think the new running back, Wayne Taulapapa, is Tal- going to Tal- be I maybe it's one. Taulapapa. 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 Yeah. Yeah. The, the TPs, Wayne Taulapapa, Alfonso Tupatala, 
and yep. then Zion, Zion Tupuola Fatui, mm-hmm. um, which obviously we, we know ZTF more so than the other two, but um, those are kind of tough. I yeah. guess. I think Tupatala, Alfonso Tupatala is, is one to get used to because he's a starting linebacker and that's a guy who really barely played last year and has uh, kind of quietly impressed a lot in camp. Um, and that's probably, hopefully a name, you know, sometimes this happens where like a guy has a great camp. I think Cam for Bricky was a great example of that last year. And then he played and then he was, you know, not very good. And like, we'll, we'll find out like, with, with Tupatala. barely played. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and I think he was named a starter for the first game against Montana. So um, Tupatala is in there now. Uh, the only other one I think that's kind of hard is it Kuau Pehopa? Is that his name? Oh yeah, Detackle. Yes. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, that's Kuau. The, yeah, I... he's going to play a lot because the defensive line depth is uh, is is quite quite thin. Um, but uh, a name that we're going to have to get used to. So uh, keep keep that in mind. But seems like a great story and a, and a awesome kid. Putting a, a bow on the pronunciation section, we're, we'll uh, go to the triplets. Who leads Huskies in passes, carries, and catches this year? I think uh, it's pretty simple. Michael Penix is going to lead the team in passes if uh, if he's healthy. After that, yeah. we'll find out. And then carries, I think, is is probably the the you know the the most interesting here. Wayne Talapapa was named the starter. Talapapa, uh, do you know how old he is? uh isn't this his sixth year i'm so i'm guessing he's like 24 25 now he is 24 years old uh he has almost 300 career touches in his career at virginia um no one else on the husky roster is even close to that in terms of of carries and and catches combined uh he has been named i think uh from from the sound of it today the clear-cut husky starter which is i think something that was a little little bit surprising i thought it was more going to be a committee thing but uh talapapa is your guy at least to start the season yeah, and, and not only is that somewhat seemingly clear cut, uh, you return. You know, I know we no longer have Sean McGrew, but you return two guys in Richard yeah. Newton and um, Cam Davis. Uh, Richard Newton and Cam Davis that like were the guys over the previous you know one two seasons. So, uh, and I think you, I think there's a scenario where there's three guys ahead of them at this point um on that depth chart uh yeah. will nixon also seems to based on everything i've read seems to be uh the the number two guy on that depth chart and then um we have wayne talapapa as we mentioned a starter and then um the third guy is another transfer uh that i'm blanking on his name again thank you uh <laughs> beginning of the season uh cobb Ar- webs aaron aaron, uh, aaron dumas i believe Aaron Dumas from New Mexico. Yeah. Uh, so he's there, uh, which I think he's ahead of Cam Davis and uh, Dick Newton in the in the depth chart. So, uh, yeah, that's that's going to be a completely new kind of group of guys that we're going to be seeing coming out of the backfield. Um, but, yeah, going getting back to Talapapa, uh, grad transfer originally from Hawaii, went to Punahou, uh, has been at Virginia um, and kind of coming back to the West Coast, closer to home. Um, another captain, um, named by the team, not by the coaches. Uh, it sounds like he's just like very, very mature for his age and a a great leader based on what, uh, Ryan Grubb had to say about him today. So that'll be, uh, a new thing to watch in this offense, a completely overhauled running back crew. It's been said a ton by this coaching staff that they like to throw to their running backs. Like that, like, it's not just like, Oh, like I'm a sick freak and I, you know, picked it up the one time that they said, and, and like every chance they talk about running backs, they, t- they, they highlight guys who can, who can catch and Talapapa 
um, has experience at that. Will Nixon was actually a receiver at, at Nebraska um, and kind of a, a, you know, a slot back in, in high school and he's the backup. And so like, I think that that is the skill set that matters probably the most um, to the Husky coaching staff on offense, at least. And that's, that's why the, the system has probably, or that, that depth chart has, has folded the way that, that you just laid out there. Um, and also shows you that that was not a, a priority of the previous coaching staff in terms of who they recruited. And, um, you know, the, it was more about how, how good do you look running a, a dive up the middle? Because that was the extent of our, of our running game um, prior to this year. Yeah. Will Nixon didn't even have a carry a registered yeah. carry at Nebraska. And now he's probably our number two running back. Interesting. I know. Yeah. It's, it's another point of interest and in intrigue. It's like, you know, there's no Chris Polk back there, but like something is going to some, some version or some conglomerate of those guys um, is hopefully going to be, productive in some way uh catches i think we got probably two here and you know like you said at the beginning roma dunze was the the possession guy last year i would have said him but now is is he a deep threat is he was he misused um i would imagine that him and mcmillan have been to get them to stay considering that neither of them are are washington state guys um and would be heavily sought after in any sort of transfer portal as terrell bynum was um to get them to say that large promises were made for them about the, the role that they would have and the type of production that they would have. And I'm excited to see it. And I would, I would bet a Dunza here, but wouldn't surprise me if it was McMillan. Yeah. Especially with the comments today about how Rome is more of a deep ball threat than McMillan. Yeah. Maybe there's kind of like flipping roles here and that McMillan might become more of a possession wide receiver for us. Uh, last season, Adunze did lead the team with 41 receptions. Somehow Kate Otten didn't have the most. So there, there he goes back to just coaching competencies. Um, but Jalen McMillan was only two receptions behind Adunze at 39 receptions. So um, my, my pick is McMillan, but I think it's a complete toss up here. The, uh, the volume of, of passing that we're about to see and, and kind of this like force feeding in a good way to receivers is going to be unlike anything that we've seen um, in, in Husky offenses. So last year, Jaden Cropper, Fresno State's number one receiver, had 85 catches. The last Husky with that many, Reggie Williams. That's him. He's the only guy who's had that more than that in a, in a Husky season. Like 20 years ago. He did it twice, yes. And in 2019, so uh, uh, Kalen DeBoer's year at Indiana, Watt Fillior was the, uh, the Michael Penix's number one receiver. Uh, he had 70 that year. 70 would be sixth in UW history for, for receptions for, for anybody. And so the, the volume and pace of passing is going to be novel and weird. Like, like I'm telling you box scores for Husky games are going to be a lot different than we, we are used to. I just am there's, I'm having a thought right now of at halftime, just calling you in with tears of joy. And I hope <laughs> that happens just because it's actually <laughs> nice to watch again. Yeah. It's fun again. And I, I'm very, very excited if that hasn't uh, shown through. And maybe I'm buying the Kool-Aid, but um, fuck yeah. it. <laughs> this, is, this is what you do in preseason. Come on. Yeah, exactly. We all know this. Lose your goddamn mind. Um, okay, we're going to skip the next yeah. one to uh, who wins the Joe Lobendon Award for player whose jersey should be the one UW is selling. I've got lots of candidates here. Obviously, ZTF, yeah. Michael Penix, um, number 56. Do you know who number 56 would be? Uh, I don't off the top of my head. Oh, Gary and Hatchet, offensive lineman. <laughs> no, Ruparake Fuivai, who effectively got oh yeah, simulate fired by getting punched by him, um, slapped or struck or whatever we said. 
uh, Jalen McMillan, Roma Dunze, number 11, and I believe number zero, Cam Bright. Um, actually, I don't know what number Bright is. I think he's a single-digit guy. Jordan Perriman. He's number two. There we go. Uh, Jordan Perriman, the new corner who everyone's raving about, number one. Who is it? Who do you think is is the uh, the best player, basically, on, on the Husky team? I mean, I, you named everybody. I I had McMillan, Penix, and ZTF. Um, there are some fun, and we talked about this uh, recently, uh, but there are some fun single-digit yeah. players on this team. Uh, Savelle Smalls moved to number zero, by the way. I don't know if you knew that. Didn't know that. Um, so that's one of them, the edge guy wearing zero. Uh, you mentioned We mentioned Cam Bright wearing number two. Uh, which I thought too was like a um, like a retired jersey, or they like give it out to only a specific player. So yeah, Cam Bright and Jalen both Case, are wearing number Case two. Had, had to like pull it out of retirement when he when he got T Dub. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, so I don't know what the deal is with that, but um, there's two number twos. Um, we also have uh, Dom Hampton, who's playing the Husky position, the new kind of nickel. Mm. Uh, linebacker situation he's number seven so that's and, kind of an, an another sort of linebacker with a single digit you know who and, you and else chris is, chris mall at nine you know who else is number seven who uh, uw wouldn't mind selling some jerseys for to kind of you Sam know here yeah <laughs> keep him around a little bit yeah so that's that's a spicy yeah. one okay um since the huskies seem destined to become a big 10 team you know who you know who the, the best you know, you know, if we wanted to, if we want to submit an application that says what, why should we join the Big Ten? You know, whose whose number we put out there? Who's that? Number fifty one, Jackson Kirkland. That would be Big Ten as fuck to have a <laughs> left tackles jersey be the one that you're putting yeah. out there. Uh, a legacy guy, uh, just a you know a grinder that that Iowa fans would be like, oh, we can get down with these guys that they they respect respect players. <laughs> if yeah, you know, uh, hey, hey. I'm into it. Let's do it. Yeah, as am I. Uh, it's interesting though because there's there really isn't like a best player on this team. Uh, and sometimes that's been the, like the Joe Lobendon that was number fifty three from like what shit year that was two thousand six or something. Um, we've yeah. been there where there's like no good players and also no best player. But this is like we have a lot of good players and it's just uh, that no one really stands out for um, for that role. Let's end on some hope. What is uh, what is getting you some hope for? this year I, mean, I think we've talked basically through all of it but like just just and end with this before we get into our, our normal closing segments like what are you most excited about uh heading into this year i mean it, it kind of just goes back to what we've been talking about for most of this uh for most of this pod but just the fact that kalen DeBoer and this coaching staff staff uh ryan grubb have really seen success at every stop of the way on their coaching career. Um, I don't know why that would have to stop here at Washington. It seems like the system they have in place, which they uh, have spoken to Grubb as of, I think it was today, spoke about how, or it was yeah, one it was of the like last night. Maybe, that video maybe that came in the out. last. Yeah. I talked about, um, talked about how they have this like formula that they've been mm -hmm. like refining for 15 years or whatever. And it's like, they're not going to change it now, even if this is a bigger stage. In fact, they've been waiting to, like employ this formula at a stage like a UW. So I uh, you know whether that this has been uh, Sioux Falls for, for DeBoer or Southern Illinois, Eastern Michigan, Fresno state, Indiana, whatever, he's pretty much had success in his role, at least, you know, offensive coordinator, QB coach, whatever um, at every stop of the way. So that gives me hope that gives me comfort. That gives me um, 
I'm just excited to see what that actually translates to in a, in a uh, program like UW. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, um, I think, yeah, the breath of fresh air mentality of, of this season of just like, God, it was bad last year. Like it was just so toxic. And, you know, we talked about the, the top of this, all the nasty things in college football that we have to care about. And then it's like, well, our coach, uh, you know, open face palm slapped a, a player on, on television. Like, do are we, are we okay with that? And like, oh, he's also really bad and like says dumb shit. And like, I, we don't, we don't have that anymore. And like, you know, there's going to be lots of things like Galen DeVore is not going to win every game. We're going to have some maddening losses. This is what happens with new coach shit. But like, I, 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 I feel bought in and I, and I don't think that that was the case. Um, immediately after the Montana game, if not even halfway through it last year, that it was kind of like, ah, this, this is, this is bad because the, the year before we were kind of tricked the 2020 season kind of tricked of like those, you know, two of the, two of the big wins there um, or one of the big wins that the Utah win was almost a disastrous loss. And, and the Stanford loss that was their only loss that season and all in Oregon state too, like the, that was not a good team um, and kind of was, was overhyped because of it. And then uh, we saw the, the whole thing collapse last year. So uh, yeah, I'm I'm ready to move on and to 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 love again um, to to this this Husky coaching staff and and this team. Um, so, you know, I don't I don't know the the vibes are are fantastic. Even though we're probably talking about like at best like an eight win team, I don't care, right? Like just I would just, be ecstatic. Yeah, just just give me eight give, wins. Seven's fine. Uh, just just give me give me as I said to to our our good friend Michael Hatcher and you the other day give give me points give me give me yards and give me turnovers and like fun football because um even with peterson like it that was kind of hard to find you know it wasn't necessarily the most fun football to watch aesthetically uh we were very very good and so we take that every time but um i feel like we're about to see a really fun team and and i think uh all the reasons we talked about has kind of borne that out let's uh let's end this thing as usual, we end the segment here, or the podcast here with uh, two segments, our, our great cat of the week and our OKG of the week. The great cat is in reference to, I don't even really remember at this point, something Tyrone Willingham had said in a Mitch in the Morning interview a very long time ago that Stan and I both remembered uh, much later in life when we uh, started talking about it, where Willingham essentially was asked, like, how do you cope with a terrible team? And he, he responded by saying, well, we have a we have a great cat. And uh, so the great cat is, is this harbinger. It's just something shitty or dumb or bad um, that has happened in the past week. So who is your great cat? Uh, not necessarily the week, but just right now. Who's who's um, who's the feline? I mean, I think this has to be USC and UCLA mm-hmm. to kind of bookend <laughs> this with realignment. Um, yeah, it's just disappointing. Again, I won't go into it anymore. Um, as a kind of a more topical one, uh, I, I wrote the note, old man yells at cloud, but a 7.30 kickoff at, <laughs> against Kent State uh, to the point where my dad just simply said, hey, I'm not going to the game. You can have my my ticket. So <laughs> that's where he's at in life. Um, but yeah, that's that's a little bit of a disappointment, I think. I mean, I get a 7.30 game like in a conference matchup, but like Kent State, non-con, those are when I kind of look forward to the 12.30s, 1 o'clock, 3.30, 4.30 type of kickoffs instead. So that's... A, a minor grievance, but a great cat nonetheless. If I can't have UCLA and USC, then I've I've got nothing this week. Uh, my my optimism is too high. Uh, I won't uh, I won't get down to that level. So we're going to move right on to the OKG of the week. This OKG, of course, stands for our kind of guy. We started this podcast when Chris Peterson was the head coach, and that was a, a common phrase of his, and we've kept it 
um, through two regimes now into into this one. We might change it if there's a something we pick up on in, in DeBoer parlance that, that means the same thing. But who are your OKG? Who is your or who are your OKGs of of this this current moment in time? I actually sort of struggled with this one. Um, I didn't watch any football really last week other than monitoring on my phone. And, um, and you know, this is beginning of the season. So I just was, my OKG is just college football being back and just having Saturdays of just watching disturbing amounts of football. And I think that was perfectly encapsulated with Vandy just beating the <laughs> hell out of Hawaii, um, which, you know, if, if you follow college football, you know the struggles that, that Vandy has gone through. So Good for Vandy. And then the just like chef's kiss, Nebraska, Scott Frost, finding a new way to lose a football game uh, or or just making kind of like stupid decisions and losing by one possession. Uh, stupid decision being that random onside kick that he attempted. So um, just the fact that those two things happen in week zero, which uh, like week zero in itself is, is stupid and <laughs> yeah. crazy and awesome at right. the same time. So that that's just that being back and having that's, this kind of fun new thing to to obsess about every Saturday. An offensive or a, an onside kick to a running back. That was the the, the person they kicked to. Not they didn't like single out the oh there's a there's a backup tight end here who's never caught a pass like that's who we're gonna kick it at. It's like no no no, no skill position guy. Uh, it was pretty damn funny. Um, yeah, I've got that. The only I just said him here. Jordan Perriman um, is the only person I'll add here. Just as a, a guy who I knew we were not really going to have a moment to talk very much about. And so I want to talk about him here. Um, he's a transfer from UC Davis seems to just be the next one of them up. Uh, and one of them, I mean, one of the next great Husky defensive backs, uh, the way people are talking about him, the way he has uh, competed in camp. He's like a big, long um, athletic dude who uh, basically just picked us because of the, the opportunity that he saw there. And uh, I think it's just super cool that like this DBU um, kind of, you know, this factory that, that, you know, producing strong defensive backs has been something that I think we've taken a lot of pride in. Um, and, you know, if you watch football on Sundays, you see a lot of, you know, Husky, Huskies playing defensive backs. Um, and it, for that to continue, despite Jimmy Lake not being here is, is cool. And like, you know, it's, it's hopefully that becomes something cool because I love defensive back play and, and Perriman could be the next guy. Yeah. And, and Perriman's a cool story because he transferred over from UC Davis and they, they had a, really good season last year from what I've read. And um, he was a first team, all big sky selection. So um, it's not like he's just some random dude from UC Davis that we, that we got on board. And I think what's cool about our starting cornerbacks is the other side is Michelle Powell, who is a former walk-on local kid from O'Day, mm -hmm. who's obviously got a chip on his shoulder, has earned a scholarship. So you got, you have wide receiver or sorry, cornerbacks on both sides of the, of the field that, um, I think both probably have a chip on their shoulder, but are also have shown that they're very, um, you know, very good cornerbacks. Um, so that's, that's a, that's a fun new kind of addition and, and uh, wrinkle to watch this year is the cornerback play. If you have a chip on your shoulder, I can't see it because it'd be blurred out by the zoom background. But uh, I think, I think we're chipless heading into this season. I think we're, we're just ready to, uh, to experience and to feel again. So yeah. uh, have fun on Saturday at it, uh, the, the um, it won't, it won't be dark at kickoff, but very soon after that, um, the night game to start the year um, against, uh, against uh, Kent state. And yes, the, the, the halftime phone call 
um, is always appreciated. And hopefully, hopefully it's a happy one other than the the disaster factor sure. we had last year instead of the season. So good stuff, Stan. <laughs> We're back in the horse and uh, we'll talk next week. Sounds good. Go dogs. Go dogs. Go dogs.